look, Ronan Farrow is in this, and I just love that he's gay. Can I just say it out loud? I just love that Ronan Farrow is gay. Absolutely. I wanted him to be running this show. <laughs> and when I say this show, I mean, like, the like just the generalness <laughs> of it all. Why isn't he president? You know what? We're doing A-OK. Yeah, Joe <laughs> Biden's been president for 36 hours, and I'm feeling good. I know. <laughs> Hi, Julia Benzavalli. Hey, Patrick Hines. You guys, before we get to the show, if you want more GP and me, more fun, laughs, good times, join us on the Patreon, you guys. Over 150 full bonus episodes. Ad-free. Ad-free. Download and binge right the second you sign up. We're about to wrap up A Wilderness of Error, the one about the Jeffrey McDonald case. You guys, did he or did he not murder his whole family? I have very strong thoughts and feelings. If you want to hear them, join the page. <laughs> and then we're diving right into Night Stalker. Everyone is asking us every day. I, I promise we're doing it. We're doing it right after this. Yeah, and then it's also like Tiger King and Don't Have With Cats and Menendez Murders and Lacey Peterson and Jody Arias. The Jinx and The Staircase and Making a Murderer, which you might have said. Don't Have With Cats. It's just yeah. all those series that like have four, five, six, seven, eight episodes. We're doing them. We're doing them all. Ad-free versions of these episodes, after parties, coronavirus check-ins. Ringtones. Don't forget the ringtones. I know. We're doing um, extended outtakes are coming back, girl. They better be, because what the hell am I doing this for? <laughs> what am I vamping for if not for the extended outtakes? <laughs> So it's patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed, or just go to the website, click on the Patreon link. Um, You guys, join the Facebook group, girl. What is it called? It's called True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. It's a mouthful, I know, I know. but search for it. <laughs> and it's like 30,000 people in there, like sharing memes and true crime stories and other podcasts and documentaries and making friends. Come find your true crime fam, you guys. Yeah. Anything else from you this week, girl? No, we have a new president, and it's yes. great. Yeah. Hey, Joe Biden. Hey, Kamala. Hey, How you guys doing? You know, I do have an issue more major and champ please they've been in the white house for 36 hours i want full professional press photos of the dogs i want a whole thing what the hell are they doing over there oh governing sorry right, it's, yeah, been yeah, so yeah. it's been so long it's been a minute all right girl what are we talking about today oh, I, I gotta get like the fun tone out of my voice this is not a fun one you guys yeah, but we need it, so please don't lose it. Yeah, that's true. No, no, no. We are going to make it fun, but like, hey, it's an important story, and I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah, so we're doing Untouchable, which is about Harvey Garbagestein. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Garbagestein? <laughs> I, I think it's wine garbage, actually. Wine garbage. Got it. Harvey wine garbage. It's a whole, it's a dialect. It's based on where you grew up. Yeah, it's like soda or pop. <laughs> right, or Coke if you're from Atlanta. Or Coke. <laughs> More women are now accusing Harvey Weinstein, including some very high-profile actresses. Nearly 80 have accused Weinstein of misconduct. I was going to have dinner with him at the Beverly Hills Hotel. He said, can we have a drink upstairs at yours? So obviously this is the part that's very hard to talk about. Things got very uncomfortable very fast. He no longer seemed to want to talk about work. I said, no, I don't do that. And he was you're making a very big mistake. When you read about rape, you read she kicks and screams. I just froze. I said no and I pushed him away more than once. And then I just stopped. When I tried to tell people, they said, you better keep your mouth shut. Well, I saw a lot about how the machine works in terms of burying scandals and settlements. Nobody was ever gonna win against this guy. 
I was hearing stories which you could dismiss as rumor. I was being told these women are crazy. You have to do something. I couldn't believe that they were telling the story as though they were writing about me. Mr. Weinstein intends to enter a plea of not guilty. When you pick out the most grotesque, there's the sense that, okay, we've taken care of the problem. It's not over. It continues. All right, girl, take it away, Jillian Pensavalli. All right. We're just hearing all these stories about people, you know, taking the plunge and going to Hollywood and then they make it. Oh, my God. How many people know the story of Lana Turner working in a drugstore or Ava Gardner coming up from the South, you know, being spotted and suddenly they're stars. I cannot tell you how rare that is. We're talking about like Ava Gardner getting discovered. And first of all, that's not at all how Hollywood works anymore. No No one's going to get discovered in a mall like that ship (laughs) has sailed. Not like Ava Gardner got discovered in a mall, but you know what I'm saying. Also, no one who listens to this podcast has ever heard of Ava Gardner. I was like, you guys can't give us like any more modern like example of this than Lana Turner or Ava Gardner. Come on, Hulu. And the thing is like old Hollywood had its issues, believe me. Okay. (laughs) But it's like, you know, we're looking at this gorgeous picture of Ava Gardner and suddenly there's like this grotesque image on the screen and it's a black and white photo of Harvey Weinstein and he's trying to look cool and he just looks like shit. And let me just tell you, like this is the one thing I have in common with Harvey Weinstein. Oh girl. There are some people who are just like not destined to look cool. I'm not saying I'm not handsome. Okay. I'm not saying that I'm not like attractive. I like the way that I look but I'm never gonna look cool. Harvey Weinstein and I are cut from that and only that part of the same cloth. Maybe like a half of a thread of a thread of a cloth. Totally. I mean, there was a time I tried to pull off a leather jacket, girl. It wasn't a good look on me. Okay, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, I'm telling you, I've always been a gay with no taste, you guys. A gay with no taste. And the thing is, look, Harvey is so. I truly believe that his soul, his inner self is so ugly that it came out to also manifest in his physical appearance. I truly believe that. It's like annoying, like the, the whole fat shaming thing. It's like there are plenty of other grotesque trolley things that this man did. Percent. The point is, the point they're trying to make, the Ava Gardners of the world, yeah. they're not going to look twice at him for any reason whatsoever. Right. They're saying the only way he could ever get a woman like that would be to have power over her. And you know who tells us that is Ronan Farrow, girl. He was able to use his power to exploit women's dreams and that's a powerful thing I don't know if you know this about my Ronan Fares, but like, you know, there's like some question about the paternity, right? Yeah. He was Mia Farrow and Woody Allen's kid, except that he's obviously Frank Sinatra's son. Yes. Like, look at Ronan Farrow for one second and tell me he's not Frank Sinatra's son. I won't. I also believe, <laughs> I could be wrong, but I do believe at one point Ronan Farrow put out an album of jazz standards. I think that he did that. Ronan, <laughs> I know. loving you. I know. You work so hard doing this important stuff. Put out that album. Do what you gotta do. I know. Well, it really starts on May 25th, 2018. Well, in the Hollywood powerhouse behind some of the world's most famous films, now Harvey Weinstein is apologizing. It comes as the New York Times details numerous accusations going back three decades. The report details allegations of sexual harassment by a number of women, including employees and some very high-profile actresses. This is like the end of the documentary in the very beginning, where like this is the yeah. day that Harvey Weinstein is like turning himself in mm-hmm. to the police station. And the police station is like swarmed with reporters and like onlookers with iPhones. Right. So we meet this Benjamin Braffman guy, Braffman, whatever. His lawyer, yeah. And this guy, I mean, the way these people can say this shit with a straight face, it never ceases to amaze me. But he's just like, Mr. Weinstein intends to uh, enter a plea of not guilty. We intend to move very quickly to dismiss uh, these charges. 
We believe that they are constitutionally flawed. Mr. Weinstein has always maintained that any sexual activity he engaged in was consensual. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're going to move quickly to uh, dismiss the charges. Uh, You know, we believe they are constitutionally flawed. Don't you mention the Constitution to me. Get out of here. And he's like, look, I and Harvey, especially Harvey, maintain that any sexual activity he engaged in is consensual. And I'm like, right, because we're supposed to believe that these 80 women, these 80 gorgeous beings were just fawning all over Harvey Weinstein, like, for fun. Give me a break. And the other person who doesn't believe this is the lawyer. You can see him standing out there, and he so clearly is like, oh, we are fucked. Because the lawyer's like, Harvey, God, if I have to defend you, I I want zillions. Zillions with a Z dollars. (laughs) What this guy will say for money is the most obvious big lie. Like, it's just so ridiculous. And the point is, you guys, it's bigger than that. It's bigger like, oh, this gorgeous woman wouldn't like this guy. There is a power dynamic at play. Exactly. Because even if Harvey Weinstein in whatever fucked up part of his brain believes, no, it was consensual. If it was consensual from his point of view, it was because this woman felt too terrified either because of his physical demeanor, because he would overpower them, because he is a tall, gigantic person, or because I just flew in from Kansas and Harvey Weinstein wants to see me privately. Right. That's all part of it. Totally. So let's all take a road trip or on a plane, however you need to get there, to Buffalo, (laughs) 1978. And we meet Hope. I love Hope. I love Hope too. She's in college and she tells the story where she's just like... Someone I knew from college called me and said, Fleetwood Mac's going to be here, you know, about this concert and uh, how would you like to work backstage? Give Fleetwood Mac a goog and put the chain on repeat on Spotify this minute. That song fucking slaps and will forever. So Fleetwood Mac in 1978, they were the biggest thing. Like, oh my God. So they're like, okay, Fleetwood Mac has a concert tonight up here in Buffalo. Would you like to work backstage? Now that immediately I was like, work? Oh. I know. I know. So Buffalo was a major concert city back then. And we learned that Harvey Weinstein back in the day, 1978, was the biggest concert promoter in Buffalo. So if you were coming through Buffalo, you dealt with him. Yeah, and his company was called Harvey and Corky. Look. (laughs) Poor Corky. Where's Corky now? We see pictures of them back in the day. Harvey looks exactly the same as he does today. Like, literally nothing has changed. Where's Corky? He's in Blaine, Missouri, waiting for Guffman, girl. (laughs) That's where Corky is. Corky, we love you. We want you to live. But so, like, Harvey was the talent side, and Corky was the business side. And the whole point was that Harvey wanted to be the one that everybody knew. When Fleetwood Mac is in the stadium, he wants to be the one that's greeting them. He's in the dressing room. He's the one that knows everybody. And the thing is, we see photos. Like, there's a picture of Harvey Weinstein in the 70s with Mick Jagger. I this know. is real. Like, Harvey Weinstein was big time in Buffalo. But, like, there's also a picture of him with Frank Sinatra. And I was like, oh, girl, foreshadowing. In, like, 30 years, this guy's kid's going to take you down. A little through line from Ava to Frank to Ronan okay (laughs) and then also did you see the picture of Harvey and OJ I just went oh that tracks no thank god I missed it who knows what would have happened to whatever screen I was watching it on the two of them together in a photo Mm -mm. Mm -mm. so this is where you know Hope is backstage the first time I met Harvey was at the concert backstage he was a very charming guy you know he would look at you when he spoke to you with great sincerity he said what do you like doing I said I love the movies and he said well you know My brother Bob and I are getting in that business and we're just starting, but if you come to work here, it might be interesting for you. 
and they strike up a friendship. Like, obviously, Harvey is a predator. So, like, Hope thinks that they're striking up a friendship. He sees her as a target. He's asking her, like, what she wants to do with her life. And she's like, I want to work in movies. And he's like, funny you should say that. My brother Bob and I are starting a movie company. You should come and work for us. And the movie company he's talking about is Miramax. And the thing is, like, Harvey was bullshitting her in terms of, like, I'm such a nice, charming guy. But he was right. Like, he and his brother Bob were starting Miramax. And that was a real thing. And, like, Miramax, without getting into how successful they were, just to describe the power that Harvey Weinstein actually had, like, Miramax was gigantic. They distributed and made over, like, 50,000 zillion movies. Oh, my God. It's, like, all the movies from, like, Shakespeare in Love, Pulp Fiction. Did they do Good Will Hunting? Yes, Good Will Hunting. Madonna's Truth or Dare. The Thin Blue Line. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Life is Beautiful. The English Patient. Mm -hmm. And, like, the thing about it was that, like, we'll get more into this in a minute, but, like, Harvey and his brother, like, the reason Miramax was able to be so successful was because they weren't relying on, like, corporate money and corporate, like, approvals and stuff. And he has this cool line where he's like, And Miramax, we're not under that corporate pressure to say, Jesus, we've got to go up each year so we can do what we think is good. And if our profits are lower next year than they were uh, the year before, so what? So what? As long as we did good work. So it's weird to think that Miramax was an indie company, like an independent film company, because they were so successful. But technically they were because they weren't answering to anybody but themselves. Exactly. And so now we're with Hope. Like Hope is like basically, at least as far as we know for this film, is like Harvey's first victim. And she tells us the story that they're coming to New York City, it's 1978, and they're coming to talk to somebody about a film that they want to distribute or whatever. And so they're checking into the hotel, and Harvey's, like, dealing with the desk clerk, and of course Harvey comes back and says... He said, well, there was a mistake. There's only one room. And I just, you know, gave him a look, and I said, well, then you're going to have to sleep on the chair. And you can just see Hope, even in the retelling of the story, her face just falls. She feels like she, like, walked into a trap. Yeah, because we hear so many of these stories, and there are so many similarities. Like, he kept Hope away from the lobby desk, so she couldn't hear the conversation. And then, oh, wait here. And then he comes back and, oh, no, they only have one room. And he does this a lot. So this Hope story, while we get other variations of it, there are a lot of similarities that are kind of tells, like things he used to do. It's so gross to think about it that way. God. And the thing that she says, like, it's just one of the millions of heartbreaking things she says she's like you know the worst i might have thought he would do would would be to claim that he slept with me when he hadn't i could live with that I cannot believe that that is a calculation somebody has to make. And it's all bullshit. It's, it's yeah. all ridiculous. So, of course, she's like, uh, yeah, okay, girl, you're sleeping in the chair. Like, I get the bed because I'm Hope and I'm awesome. And, like, right. we're not sharing a bed. Of course, of course, we know where this is going. Harvey Weinstein gets naked and climbs into bed with her. Hope says, no, absolutely not. She pushes him away. And this is another thing. This is the very beginning. He says this or a variation of this to all of these women we meet. Do you really want to make me an enemy? for five minutes of your time. And the thing that she says that, like, makes me crazy is she says, at first he tries to cajole you. Mm -hmm. Like, he's kind of like, oh, it's so fucking gross and creepy, like, climbing into the bed, just, like, badgering, like, literally almost begging her to have sex with him. Yeah, absolutely. And just almost trying to negotiate, but not negotiating because he's giving her nothing. He's not letting up at all. And so she just goes, he pushed and pushed and pushed and would just, like, wouldn't let it go. And she says, again, like, this is not fat shaming. He just used his size to overpower her, hoping like I was like 110 pounds at the time yeah. and he's a big guy and she goes I don't know how to explain it I just I just thought if I just shut up it'll be over in a few minutes 
I don't know how to explain it. I just thought if I just shut up, it'll be over in five minutes, like he said. And then, and then I don't know. And then dot, dot, dot. And let me tell you, this happens all the time. And she says like, after the fact, like they get back to Buffalo and like, he is the one who's like, I own the cops. They all work for me at the stadiums on their nights off. Mm -hmm. Like he owns the media, you know, he owned the town and she didn't feel like she could tell anybody or that anybody would believe her. You know, this like scene actually takes her like three minutes to get through. Cause she's like, I mean, it's, a, it's the collateral damage that, you know, what it does to relationships with friends, people you love. And they don't know why. I, you know, it, it just, he's, it steals something. You guys, this is 1978. Remember that scene at the police station when he turned himself in? It was 2018. Right. My God. God, fuck this guy. That's like 40 years. Yeah. Oh my God. 40 years of stories like this and movies being made and Harvey being thanked on every award show stage for 40 years. They actually say at one point he was thanked more than God. Yeah, we'll get into, ugh. I know. I know. So we start to meet, like, the original, like, higher-ups at Miramax. Like, when Miramax started, like, I have this big note where I'm like, ugh, it pains me to have to, like, give them credit and, like, say nice things about them because they're like, what a fucking piece of shit. But when Miramax started, like, I was in college. Yeah. Independent film was everything at the time. And so, like, I mean, Miramax was the world. Yeah, and we have Kathy, Bob Weinstein, Harvey's brother's assistant, and she says this thing where she was like, it was kind of amazing. She describes what's like a dream for every creator, whether you want to make movies or whatever she's like i like the fact that both with bob and harvey you could literally just walk into their office with an idea and if either of them thought it was a good idea you would find yourself doing it go figure it out make it happen that was exciting if one of them believed in it enough, they'd be like, figure it out, make it happen. How much money do you need? Like, that's the dream. I know. (laughs) And like, this is where we just hear, like, they're making all these movies, they're making all this money, you know, and they're doing so well that in 1993, Disney buys Miramax. And then they double down on the, like, just make whatever you want because as someone says, like... In some ways, that was the best time for Harvey and Bob creatively because they could gamble with someone else's money. And gambling was what they were good at. So then that whole ideology of like, just make the thing was like, with Disney's money, make the thing? What are you kidding me? With Disney money? I can make whatever I want with Disney money. But the thing is, this is where they start to talk about Harvey Weinstein as like the monster boss. Right. So like they're saying, look, everyone's had a really difficult boss. Harvey Weinstein was like next fucking level. Harvey at his best was charming, funny, and amazing at what he did. Harvey at his worst was a monster that you wouldn't want to cross. When he was at his worst, he was the monster that you like would not want to cross. I mean, he was throwing like marble ashtrays at people from across the room and like just horribly abusive in every sense of the word. Someone says, Miramax broke a ton of people. Harvey broke a ton of people. Can you imagine working in an environment like that? This culture where Harvey Weinstein was allowed to behave like this, it taught him that he could do anything he wanted. And like, that's what nobody is saying about this particular point. Like, they're not talking about the sexual abuse at this point. They're just talking about like the physical and verbal abuse. But the fact that he just got away with it, nobody stopped him. That is what like groomed him to decide that he could get away with anything. Right. And so we get Deb, the secretary. Yeah. She tells us the story. One day, an assistant stopped showing up to work. No one knew why. And Deb, the secretary, asks around and she's like there was kind of this like whispered story about what kind of maybe happened and the story is this a woman was delivering a script to Harvey at his apartment which number one should not even be happening read it tomorrow leave it with the doorman whatever 
There's absolutely yeah. no real reason for a woman, an assistant, to be personally delivering a script to Harvey Weinstein's front door. Leave it downstairs. Exactly. <laughs> Leave it downstairs. And so Deb is like, one day I'm opening the mail and she opens this letter that says, This was a letter stating that we intend to file suit against Harvey for sexual assault. And I sat there and read it, the whole thing, over and over, three or four times, until I really, I got good and angry. There's going to be a lawsuit filed against Harvey for sexual assault. And at first, I'm like, Deb, tread lightly. Deb, you can go one of two ways here. All the money's riding yeah. on your next sentence. Choose wisely. I know. <laughs> choose wisely, Don't Deb. Don't get on her list, Deb. Don't get on her list. You know, when you're in these documentaries, it's a whole choose your own adventure. And you I just know. have to pick the right page and say the right I thing. Know. And thank God for her and for me, Deb does. She Don't reads the letter like 10 times and she just gets pissed. Pissed. She yeah. gets so mad. Well, and she does this great thing because remember, this letter came to Bob, not Harvey. Right. She goes, You have a choice to make, I guess. I had a choice to make. You either swallow it, ignore it. I'm not that person. I can't do that. So I walked in and I gave him mail. And at the end, I handed him the envelope from the attorney's office and said, And this came too. And she like puts her finger in his face, which is appropriate in this moment. And maybe yes. this moment only to put yeah. your finger in someone's face. And she's like, as I walked out of Bob's office, I pointed my finger at him and I said, I quit. And your brother is a fucking pig. Oh, I quit. And your brother is a fucking pig. Deb. At the end of this movie, we're going to get on screen text that Bob Weinstein claimed that he had no prior knowledge of any allegations of sexual misconduct Bullshit. until like 2018. Fuck you, Bob Weinstein. Fuck you. A lot of people were complicit here. Come on. Yes. Come on. Yes. So girl, Ken Aguilera is back. I feel like we've had him before. Yeah. Ken Ken writes for the New Yorker. Who's the other New Yorker one who, we, who got canceled because he pulled his peen out in a meeting? Tubes. Remember Tubes? tubes? Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> Burned by Tubes, the TCO story. Oh. Burned by Zoom. The guy pulled his peen out. I think he thought the meeting was over. Regardless, you turn your computer all the way off before you start getting whatever you're going to do. Jeffrey Tubin. Oh, my God. And we still get, like, DMs and posts about that in the group because people will discover the podcast after the scandal broke. And then yes. they're like, why are you guys obsessed with Jeff Tubin? I'm like, look at the date. Girl, I know. we didn't know. When I saw Ken Alueta, I was like, oh, God, is it Tubin? Oh, God, oh, no. No, 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 it's Ken. It's Ken. We like Ken. Ken's good. Ken's is saying that he writes about media and communications for The New Yorker. And so back in the day, like in the early age of Miramax, right when like Harvey Weinstein was like really becoming like famous, he wants to write a story about Harvey Weinstein. And so he tells us, I spent an enormous amount of one-on-one -on -one time with him as well as time watching him just being a fly on the wall. I was interested in power. He had power. I was interested in abuse of power, and I'd heard tales of his abuse of power. I'm just talking about bullying of people. Ken says Harvey's powerful and he abuses that power. It's not like he wants to do some flowery profile on Harvey right. Weinstein. He wants to get to the bottom of this. In his research, Ken comes across an incident of like an attempted rape. And it was like a really violent attempted rape. And we get this story about this woman named Zelda who had been one of Harvey's assistants. Yeah, she was an assistant overseas in the UK. And she knew this woman who also works for Harvey who was assaulted by him. And so Zelda and the woman signed this, like one of his notorious NDAs, where Harvey paid like $250,000 for them to shut up. And Zelda says, We weren't allowed to discuss this with a therapist. If we spoke to a therapist, the therapist had to sign a confidentiality agreement. 
If the therapist then broke that confidentiality agreement, we would be held responsible. We would be considered in breach of our contract. If the therapist talked, then Zelda and this unnamed woman would be held responsible and in breach of their contract. And then if Harvey ever goes to court for some (laughs) other attempted rape, he's definitely going to do and most certainly did in the past. Zelda and this woman have to help the defense. Right. (laughs) Like, are you like, fuck the marble ashtrays. Like, that's nothing now. Right. Zelda and this woman have to help the defense. Patrick, I won't do it. I won't stand for it. But also, can Alu? I can't say his name, girl. Is it Alueta? Alueta? It's Alueta. Okay, great. <laughs> she says with confidence. It's Ken. But Ken tracks this Zelda person down, like, in South America. Like, her phone rings. It's Ken. Ken's like, hey, can we talk about that NDA? And she totally panics. Because this is what the Weinstein organization did. They made you feel like if you talked ever at all, you were going straight fucking to jail. Right, and Zelda's like, how did you find me? Oh my, she's in Guatemala. And Ken's like, no, girl, I'm cool. I'm Ken from The New Yorker. Like, I have your back. Don't worry about it. And Ken is saying... I was hearing stories which essentially you could dismiss as rumor because she didn't have names attached. You need to be able to prove things. And so we had to publish the piece without including Zelda's story. It was very frustrating for me because I knew he was a predator. I knew he was pathological. And I wanted to stop him because I knew he would do it again. It was so frustrating for him because he had the story. He knew it was true. But as a reporter, as an actual respected journalist, he can't write about it without any proof, without anyone going on record. And so he knew about this in 2002 and actually couldn't say anything about it. But the fuck, the marble ashtrays must be in it. They better be in it, those marble ashtrays. Girl, can we just like talk about the Oscars and how like Miramax was just like an Oscar machine for a decade? For like ever. So first it starts in 1997. The English patient wins everything. Juliette Binoche in the English patient. Anthony Mengele for the English patient. And the Oscar goes to the English patient. Which, by the way, like, come for me, I guess, but, like, I did not understand the English patient, girl. I'll do you one better. I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> I don't think I've, like, sat down and said, you know what I'm going to do? I don't, it, isn't that, like, three and a half hours, the English patient, or am I just <laughs> conflating it with? Yes, and I feel like Kristen Scott Thomas was in it. Girl, you just went to an octave. I don't know. I'm telling you, I assure you, I have not. Just like I'm almost positive I've never actually seen a Buick in real life. Totally. I know for a fact I've never sat down and said, you know what, super hot husband Mike? Let's watch The English Patient all the way through. And I'm going to stay awake every minute of it. So then it was like The English Patient. And then two years later, life is beautiful. And these are like things in the pop culture zeitgeist that everyone knows. Like, remember? like. But wait, tell me that you saw Life is Beautiful, please. Of course I saw Life is Beautiful. That's okay. where like Roberto Benigni climbed over the chairs to accept the award. These are like big moments in pop culture. I remember Whoopi Goldberg at the Oscars that year after he climbed over all the chairs. Or maybe it was the next year. Roberto Benigni looked like he was going to stand up in the chairs. And she goes, don't do it, baby. Don't, don't do it, baby. Do it, baby. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> and the point is, the reason we're going through all of these like gigantic pop culture moments that we all know, yeah. the point is, as we learn. Harvey was laser focused on the Oscars. He understood the value of the Oscars monetarily to every movie that got an award. Harvey was laser focused on the Oscars and he got a whole team of Oscar specialists so that Miramax would be very, very highly represented because it was good for business financially. And it also solidified this power stance and this level of power to intimidate all these women. And so they say that like at this time, every night in New York City where Miramax was based, every night was a party. So we meet this woman, Rebecca. She's a journalist. 
I didn't write her name down at first, and then she becomes really important later. Pay attention to Rebecca, you guys. I love her. You ever do that thing where you're like a journalist, and then exactly yes. what happens? Rebecca yeah. then becomes the star of this goddamn thing, and then you have to go back in your notes and be like, wait, and then put her name and write it out phonetically. Is that just me, girl, yes. or is that? Yes. No, nope. happens to the best of us. But she's like, at that period in New York City, there were parties every night. There were parties for perfume launches. There were parties for books. There were movie premieres. There were TV premieres everywhere. The cast of Sex and the City would show up. There were red carpets everywhere. It was a very sort of high party time. Someone would like open an envelope and be like, poof, the cast of Sex and the City would be there. Someone's <laughs> sister's cousin would have a new perfume. Poof, the cast of Sex and yeah, the City would yeah, be there. And I'm like, yeah. what is it with the cast of Sex and the City? They traveled in a pack, apparently. And we know, know that that's not true because SJP and Kim Cattrall hate I each know. other to this day. So speaking of parties, girl. So, you know what? We're all going to this party and we're here as journalist Rebecca's plus one. Totally. <laughs> So journalist Rebecca is saying that she gives us 20 unnecessary minutes about the movie O, which was like a Josh Hartnett movie back like in the early 2000s. And it was like an Othello thing. And it was like right around the Bush Gore campaign. It had everything about it that should have been released to great fanfare. But the company was holding it and they were holding it during the presidential campaign of Al Gore and Joe Lieberman. They were running this campaign that had this weird reactionary streak of disapproving of violence in the media. Oh, was a very violent high school drama. The makers of the movie believed that it was being held back because Harvey was so involved in the Gore-Lieberman campaign. So Harvey's hosting this party and Rebecca's going to it with her boyfriend, who's like a, a gossip columnist at the time or whatever, because they've got to get a quote from Harvey about this story that Rebecca's writing about this movie, Othello. That's all the setup. Girl, tell them who the party was for. The party was for this woman <laughs> named Karen Duffy. Now, Karen Duffy, I'm going to say a lot of words that the youngins aren't going to know. She was a yeah. former MTV VJ who went by Duff. Karen Duffy, she's also an actor. She was in Dumb and Dumber. She was in Reality Bites. Like, Karen Duffy, like, she's also absolutely stunningly beautiful. Yes. And so, but it shall be known as the Duff Party because she went by <laughs> Duff on MTV. So, Rebecca, God bless her, walks right up to Harvey. Again, like we learned from Ken, she just needs a quote from him. She just needs a comment that she can go enjoy the party with Andrew, her boyfriend. Yeah. So, Rebecca walks right up to Harvey. I walked right up to Harvey with my tape recorder out and said, I have a question about the movie O. And he said to me, oh, that's my brother's movie. I don't have anything to do with that. And then he walked away. Rebecca's like, that's total bullshit, but I have what I need. I have a comment from Harvey Weinstein. The story's a go. I can publish the story. Now I can just like party with my boyfriend. Totally. She goes to walk away to like get a drink or whatever. Harvey goes, oh, by the way, you can't use what I just said to you into your recorder because that's off the record. And Harvey Weinstein tries to grab this young journalist's tape recorder like out of her hands, physically grab it away from her. Because like she's saying to him like, wait, what? Like it doesn't make any sense to her because what he said was nothing. And so like as he's trying to grab the recorder she like hits record and like puts it in his face and it makes him like incensed Ooh, thank you for using my favorite word incensed <laughs> can you imagine anything more terrifying than 900 pound 6 foot 12 Harvey Weinstein like, like evil rapist Harvey Weinstein totally. who can actually ruin your career like it's unbelievable so you guys it gets bananas it gets real crazy real fast and thanks to Harvey because suddenly he starts screaming who let this fucking cunt into this party and then he was sort of half screaming at me and half screaming at the rest of the room. Get this cunt out of here. This cunt shouldn't be here. This, what is this bitch doing here? Who let this bitch in? 
Andrew Goldman, who is with us now, who was dating Rebecca at the time, yeah. just is like, picture it for a moment. <laughs> Harvey <laughs> Weinstein is screaming at the top of his lungs, threatening a 23-year-old woman who, by the way, asked him a perfectly reasonable question. Like, it wasn't just like, hey, how about that rape, Harvey? It was just like, right, Harvey, right, what's right. the deal with this gigantic movie that's coming out with all the teen heartthrobs that's like super violent but Shakespeare? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But she also says, as he's screaming, who let this C-word into the party? She says, The thing that scared me was that it felt like anything was possible. Like there was no norm and no rule that was going to say this is going to end okay. His face looked like anything could happen. Like he could actually murder me in the middle of this. It looked like it was that bad. So Andrew, the boyfriend, who feels like maybe he was like a little bit more senior than Rebecca at the newspaper or whatever, like diffuses the situation. He like kind of grabs Harvey and is like, hey, 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 she's here with me. Like calm down. Like no worries. Separates the two of them and then has a moment of like, wait, wait, what? And then I stopped and I, and I was like, this is absurd. I said, Harvey, we have treated you well. You have no right to call somebody like that, that name in front of these people. What? You can't do that. Harvey, girl, our paper has always been very kind to you. Like, what you just did was completely uncalled for. And it cuts to Rebecca in the telling of the story. And she's like, no, I don't need an apology. Let's just get the fuck out of here. No, no, no. No, I don't need an apology. We need to now, a couple things about this. One, Harvey maybe listened to Andrew or didn't scream at him because he was a man. That's number one. Number yes. two, remember in the beginning where it's like women, like we don't scream when we're being attacked because we're terrified and anything could happen. Rebecca yes. didn't scream. Rebecca just wanted it to be over because yes. when you're vulnerable and someone is being scary, you just want to be small and you want it to stop. So he would do this in a bedroom and out of a bedroom. Totally. Fuck you, Harvey Weinstein. Fuck yes. you. I hate this person. So Harvey grabbed Grabs boyfriend Andrew by like the shirt collar, drags him out of Duffy's party. Duffy, she better not be standing for this. If she's not in this documentary because she's like, well, then I don't know. She's not the Karen Duffy I thought she was. Right. <laughs> so he's got Andrew outside on the street. Andrew's recording, by the way. He's a fucking gossip columnist. Harvey Weinstein is screaming in his face. He's recording it. Harvey tries to get the recorder. When he can't get the recorder, he gets this Andrew guy in a headlock and starts pounding his head. Well, because what happens is Andrew is demanding an apology because he's yes. like what what is the matter with you you can't behave this way <laughs> Harvey fucking Weinstein like looking around to everyone like do you see what's happening yes. and Andrew's recording the whole time and Harvey says I'm glad I'm the fucking sheriff of this shit ass fucking town and when he sees that Andrew recorded that, that's when Harvey just starts beating the shit out of him. And Rebecca's like, this is what happened. Harvey throws Andrew down the stairs, drags him through the party. <laughs> Duffy girl, you saw this. Drags <laughs> him through the party, throws him out onto 6th Avenue. Yeah. And puts Andrew, poor little Andrew, in a headlock and starts punching the top of his head. And now we thought there was a crowd. Now there's a crowd and the paparazzi is going crazy. And I gotta say, Andrew now is telling this story kind of with a smile on his face. He's like, can you believe this happened? Because he's like, so I'm sitting there and I'm in a headlock. There I was at Duffy's party. Right, I'm at Duffy's party. I went from ordering my third vodka to suddenly I'm out <laughs> in 6th Avenue and I'm in Harvey Weinstein's armpit. And I just remember how surreal it was. I was thinking to myself, can this possibly be, is Harvey Weinstein really have me in a headlock? And they keep saying like hundreds of people taking photos, hundreds. And they're all saying like, this is going to be on the front page of every every fucking newspaper tomorrow. Like right. every tabloid in New York City is going to run this. And then it cuts to Rebecca and Rebecca says, I never saw a photograph from that night. I've never to this day. I 
haven't seen a photograph. And I know there were hundreds taken. Harvey Weinstein wields so much power that he was able to shut that down. This is the first time I've ever heard this story, girl. I was thinking that, I was like, look, I'm not cool by any stretch. But I was like, wow, I can't believe I'd never heard that before. Like, that didn't come out in any of the other stories that were coming out about Harvey a couple years ago. And this is why. He was able to erase this incident from the record. Finally, 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 everyone, shut up. Ronan goddamn Farrow has entered the chat, okay? Finally. So Ronan is working on a book about the dark side of Hollywood, which, of course, like, he's interviewing everybody, and, like, it's all coming back to Harvey Weinstein, and he's saying that, like... Harvey Weinstein was known to be a bully, but very quickly when you scratched the surface of those bullying charges, you started to hear stories about sexual misconduct as well. And I realized... Wow, this is a huge, huge story. And then we touch back with journalist Rebecca for a quick second because she says something kind of important. Rebecca in 2017 is covering Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton's getting an award from Planned Parenthood and Harvey is there. He is sitting in between Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin and Meryl Streep is also at the table and Rebecca is sitting there and it's almost like, I swear to God, it's the three of us at cocktails because she's like, I have to tell you like, but then I was looking at him with all these powerful women, feminist women. You're putting your money toward protecting yourself, positioning yourself as a feminist, positioning yourself as an ally to powerful women. This is all part of what your deal is and how you've managed to suppress all this. The way this man was positioning himself as an ally to powerful women and like there we were taking photographs and writing stories where it's like Hillary Clinton seated next to Harvey Weinstein and Meryl Streep. Like he has just made himself ubiquitous around these powerful women. And because the point is Rebecca is saying like he's insulating himself so that if any woman comes out and says anything about sexual misconduct, he can say, what are you talking about? Like I'm the world's biggest feminist. I would never do that. Right. And then we're back with Ronan and he's like, there was something about these stories that really struck him and it was how scared these sources were. Yes. I mean, they were terrified because they're he's like, they're describing things that are out of a movie. One of the striking recurring themes in my conversations with sources in this story was just how terrified they were of things that sounded like movie plots. Spies following them, infiltrating their ways into people's lives. And as I myself started getting strange and threatening calls, this was the absolute truth. He believed these women anyway, but he realizes that the fear that they have about just their actual well-being is completely legit, too. Yeah, and so, you know, Ronan Farrow, like, he's working with The New Yorker at this point, and Ronan is saying, like, he keeps being told that he needs more women and more women to go on the record. And then, like, the big, big moment in the Harvey Weinstein case that, like, broke it all open for everybody, including Ronan Farrow, was this model who was working with the NYPD, and she had been sexually assaulted by Weinstein. She went to the cops and they said, like, would you be willing to get wired up and go do it again? And she fucking bravely says yes. And we have the tape of like Harvey, pathetic fucking Harvey Weinstein trying to cajole her into the hotel room. She doesn't want to go. She keeps saying, I feel uncomfortable. He sort of vacillates between like begging her to come in and then like sternly threatening her if she doesn't come in. Listen to me. I want to go downstairs. I'm not going to do anything. You'll never see me again after this. That's it. If you don't, if you embarrass me in this hotel, I'm not embarrassing you. It's all, just that I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I mean, don't have a fight with me. It's not Please, I'm not going to do anything. I swear, my children. I'm a famous I'm, guy. I'm feeling very uncomfortable right Please now. Please come in now. The big moment is that she says to him, "Why did you touch my breast the other night?" And he says, "I'm sorry. I'm just used to that." It comes with my jacket. Why yesterday you, know? you touched 
touch my priest. Oh, please, I'm sorry. Just come on. I'm used to that. And that was the moment the cops and everybody knew that they had a case because he was on tape admitting to this sexual assault. And her voice, I have to tell you, like, you know, I have like, this is something that is hard for me to talk about. Her voice, like sometimes you hear people on a wire and they're like, oh, yeah, Bob, I'll go over there. I mean, when she's saying, I don't want to, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I have said, I don't want to, I feel uncomfortable. Like to hear her say that in this real, it was like, really, girl, I got to tell you, it, it was like, this was a real rough one. And so what happens is like Megan Tui and Jody Cantor at the New York Times are working on like almost an exact like same story that Ronan is working at. Like at the same time. Yeah. And so like the Times story gets published and then Ronan's story gets published. We're starting to get the voiceover of like we're seeing Harvey outside of his townhouse. Like the day that these stories break in the New York Times mm-hmm. and in the New Yorker. And like he again just deer in headlights and we're hearing his apologies. In a statement Weinstein says he came of age when rules about behavior were different. He says he knows who's caused a lot of pain and sincerely apologize. I gotta get help, guys. You know what? We all make mistakes. Second chance, I hope. Okay? You could hear that he thought he would get away with it. That he could apologize his way out of it. There's this other footage that also just made me nuts. He's talking to the paparazzi and he's like, you know, hey guys, you know, try my best. We all make mistakes. And (laughs) we have this from like the video of the paparazzi. So we have their voice like in our ears closer. And it's like, hey man, like hope you get better, bro. You're sick. Hope you get better. And he's like, hey man, hope I have a second chance. And I'm like, a second chance? You've had like 40 years worth of chances. But it's also like paparazzi are just such fucking trash. They're they're the lowest the low but Harvey kind of takes this moment you see a little like kind of dim light bulb go off in his head yeah that kind of like snaps and he just looks and he goes you know what I've always been loyal to you guys not like those fucking bricks who treat you like shit I've been a good guy thank you hope you feel better thank you get some help man thank you that was so like Trumpian to me I know what did you say and it's also in this moment where it sort of seems like Harvey Weinstein can't figure out how to get into his own car. Right, he's like, do I, like, the, the attention's on me. And he's trying to make himself sound like a good guy. But he's like, I know, man, I'm sick. There's still no remorse. I There's know. There's no any kind of, like, oh, God. I know, I know. He surrenders finally. The Me Too movement totally takes off. And, you know, this ends with just, like, the system enables this. This will happen again and again and again. This happens everywhere, every day, in every industry if you're an accountant in wisconsin if yeah. you're an a-list celebrity with everything in the world this shit happens everywhere and i would like to if i may end with our good friend rosanna arquette yes please <laughs> who says really i was like felt very seen in this moment where she goes this is a revolution so go f- fuck yourselves you know how dare you and we are not going to be silenced we will not be silenced this is a revolution so go f- Fuck yourselves. It's like eight <laughs> Fs at the beginning of the fuck. And then she's like, I did another yes. thing. How dare you? We are not going to be silenced. We will not be silenced. And I'm like, Rosetta Arquette for everything I all know. the time. I, I want that as my ringtone. This is a revolution. Go f- fuck yourselves I want that to be uh, like I want to wake up to that as like my manifestation in the morning like I want to look in the mirror and just hear her voice this is a revolution how dare you how very dare you oh my 
my god, girl, we did the Harvey Weinstein thing. What is this called? Untouchable. Fuck him. I hate him. Fuck him. I mean, the whole thing, too, is that, like, this ends with him turning himself in. I want the trial. I want to see him, like, wheeling himself in a la Durst. Oh, a la Durst. In the walker. Yeah, I, this was not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be more of that and the yeah. legal stuff. So I kind of, I just, like, is he dead yet? That's, I, I guess, know. my question. I is know. he still alive? Uh, you guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 150 full bonus ad-free episodes to download and binge right this second. Everything from Fear City and Don't Have With Cat and Tiger King and... Uh, Making a Murderer and The Jinx. Speaking of Durst. Yes. The Jinx. Uh, we're doing A Wilderness of Error. We have uh, Night Stalker on the docket. We did I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I mean, they're all ad-free too, by the way. Have I, I mentioned know. that? And ad-free versions of these episodes. A party. It's all there for you, you guys. Also, Rosanna Arquette, you are invited. You are invited to everything I do from now until the end of time. Girl, what are we doing next, girl? Everyone sit down. Are you ready? Another one you've all been asking for. What is it? Murder on Middle Beach. You guys, I am so obsessed with Murder on Middle Beach. I cannot wait to watch that again. So this is four eps on HBO. We're doing two and two. We're doing yes. another two-parter. We're doing the first two eps in one episode, and then our second episode will be their third and fourth ep. Yeah, so stay tuned for the trailer for that and uh, our outtakes, which are probably going to include a lot of me getting mad about all the tech issues we had today. And me and me just saying, uh-huh, is there, any, is there anything? Because if I'm there and I could see it, I know. it's helpful, but when I can only see your gorgeous face, I can only be supportive I from afar. No, but your support is always appreciated, girl. Um, you guys, follow us on Instagram, True Crime Obsessed Podcast. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram, at Patrick Hines on the Twitter. And I'm at Jillian with a G, all spelled out like that on all the things. And we're bringing, speaking of our Instagram, we're bringing back our Tuesday at noon, Eastern Time, Ladies Who Lunch. Yes, and we're like chatting about the episodes and we're taking your questions, you guys. If we did it last week, like 700 people came. It was so fun. It was really fun. So come hang and it's a little way to check in and like see how you're feeling about the app. Yeah, totally. We love you guys. We love you. Thanks so much. See you next week. All right, bye. Bye. Hello. So I've been working on like a documentary about mom and I wanted to ask if you'd be willing to be interviewed about it. I'm not sure I could talk about things. What do you mean? There's obviously more to the story than any of us really know. Barbara Hamburg was found dead on her lawn in 2010. This is where I found my sister murdered. Why would someone want to kill my mom? Somebody knows something. When your mother was murdered, they confiscated her computer. We saw all this business of this gifting table thing. It was a pyramid scheme that they were running. Your mother was in a big way as a leader. It got out of control. Something was very wrong. And it scared her. All I know is that in the end of the day, there's nothing you can do. Some people can snap. I don't care who it is. It could be any of us that you're talking to. Hey. Can I ask you about what happened to my mom? Your mother had secrets. Dark secrets. What the? There's a rift in our family. Who would do this? The only person I know that didn't is me. Maybe whoever you speak to. Did you have anything to do with the murder? Yeah. Might get a conscience. Yeah, and then it's also like Lion King. And Lion King. It's also Tiger. I wish it was the Lion King. That's a heartbreak. <laughs> Don't make me watch the Lion King, girl. I won't do it. It's just that. No. First of all, way to out yourself, girl. Five minutes. One day I'm opening the mail like I did. And I'm like, used to be a federal offense. I don't know if that's still a thing. But Deb's just like opening the mail left and right. Can you imagine that being said about you? Yeah. We heard that Jillian was like throwing ashtrays at people. She made a habit of throwing marble ashtrays at people from across the room. Fire me. Like, what is happening? I don't care if my name's on the front door. Get 
me out of there. But the way she describes New York City in like 2002 or whatever yeah. it is, is just yeah. so... I don't, it just, it tickled me. And I hate that I just described that. I'm in a weird place where I'm like talking about Harvey Weinstein a lot and giving him credit. And then I just said things like tickled me, which I never, like I make a rule not to say. For an MTV VJ, which by the way, like used to be my dream job to be an MTV VJ. You would have been amazing at that. I would have been, I auditioned for it. Like I would have been fucking amazing. I, I, oh, it doesn't, whatever. It doesn't matter. Sorry for another pod. I also just love that we get 20 minutes on the politics of releasing the movie O, but no one can tell Tell us why Harvey Weinstein's throwing a party for Duffy. <laughs> for Duffy? And like, where is Karen Duffy? I want to talk to her I, about this. I have so I many know. questions. And like, I will throw a party for her tomorrow. I just want to know why garbage Harvey Weinstein was. Like, what is the connection there? She tweeted back at me once. When she was on Ronan's podcast, I tweeted like, Rosanna Arquette, you're like, you're a hero. And she tweeted back, thanks. Oh my God, I got a tweet at her. I'm obsessed with her. I know.